Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Well, today I want to get right into it. I was praying about tonight and uh, just asking God what to, to speak on and what to share. And I felt God say to me right away, I don't think people understand the authority that they have. I, I don't think that, 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 that people have quite gotten how much authority God has given us as sons and daughters of a living God. And so I just wanna help us tonight to understand the kind of authority that we carry, an authority that will tell devils to leave, that will have torment stop in the name of Jesus and usher in the presence of God. So I was reminded of the story of the faith of the centurion in the Bible. It's um, chapter, Luke, what's the book of Luke, chapter seven, one through nine. So we're gonna read the story. And right before we do, I, I kind of looked up what a centurion actually is. I knew from the Bible and from scripture that um, centurions were typically Romans. And so I just did a little research and this is what I found. It said that centurions were officers in the army of ancient Rome. Centurions got their name because they commanded at least a hundred men. These officers were commanders. Various paths led them to becoming a centurion. Some were appointed by the Senate or the emperor or elected by their comrades. But most were enlisted men promoted through the ranks after 15 to 20 years of service. As a company of commanders, they held important responsibilities, including training, giving out assignments, and maintaining discipline in the ranks. When the army encamped, centurions supervised the building of fortifications, a crucial duty in the enemy territory. They also escorted prisoners, procured food and supplies when the army was on the move. In battle, centurions stood on the front lines, leading their men. They were expected to be courageous, rallying the troops through tough fighting. Cowards would be executed. Julius Caesar considered these officers so vital to his success that he included them in his strategy sessions. Ex-centurions sometimes were recruited to command auxiliary or mercenary troops in the various lands Rome had conquered. So I just wanted to give us a backdrop and a picture of what we think of when we're reading the story in scripture of a centurion. This is a man who went through the rakes, who became a commander of many. And so we're gonna read in Luke chapter seven, one through nine, it says this. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and said to some of the elders of the Jews, some of the elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal the servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded. Other versions said they begged earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogues. So Jesus went with them. He was not afar off from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word 
and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with, sol with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. Anybody ever want Jesus to marvel at you? He was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, and this is Jesus, I tell you, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Something that I want us to, to, to pick up here, and this is what I realized when I was reading the story, was that the centurion understood ranks. And it's very interesting because the centurion wasn't Jewish. He most likely was Roman, but he had heard of who Jesus was. And something in his spirit connected into belief in, in Jesus. But he sent some servants out to go to Jesus to ask that his servant would be healed. And he asked who he thought would know how to get the job done. He went to religious leaders. And I find it very fascinating that these religious leaders went to Jesus and started to beg. The centurion did not ask them to beg. The centurion asked that, that his servant would be healed. But the religious leaders somehow must have lost their way and began to beg. And I, I love Jesus. How amazing is Jesus that the Bible says he went with them. I think Jesus gets us. He understands our plight and where we're at. And I want Jesus to, to walk with me. I want him to intervene. But I want us to understand tonight that we don't have to just walk with Jesus, but we can be like the centurion who said, no, 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 just send the word and my servant will be healed. I don't wanna beg, I wanna send a word and see miracles happen. Jesus was willing to walk with a beggar, but he was willing to heal after one word of belief and faith in him. How extraordinary this faith that the centurion had. And that's the kind of faith that we can have. Do we believe the word of God? Do we believe what Jesus said, that at his word, he can and is willing to heal? The title of my message tonight is Don't Be a Beggar, Be a Commander. Don't be a beggar, be a commander. I want us to start to visualize what a commander looks like and start to visualize yourself in that role. That's how God sees us. That's how God wants to see us, how proud he was of this centurion. Great faith, I've not seen like this in all of Israel. That's how we need to think about ourselves. Point number one is this, live and act as commanders, not beggars. Begging God, don't, don't, don't we often find ourselves in, in that place, even as Christians sometimes? We face real things. We face hardship. And I think human nature has it in us to just want to plead and beg. But tonight, I want us to get a revelation of what a centurion is, that we don't have to come before the throne room of God. We don't have to come to Jesus and begin to beg for a healing, beg for torment to stop. I imagine God is actually kind of can get frustrated. Like, why are you begging when I have already given you authority? I say that because in John 14, 12, this is what Jesus says. Verily I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. What is Jesus saying? 
He's like, you have a, you're gonna do greater things than me. What did Jesus do? Read any of the words of the Bible of when Jesus lived. He kicked devils to the, to the curb. He, 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 there was deliverance everywhere he went. The, the dead were raised to life. Healings happened. Jesus says, we're gonna do that and more. Do we understand our authority in Jesus? What position do we have? What are we, what are we commanding of evil to, to leave? Because tonight is Shredder Wednesday. And what that means is that we're not gonna come up forward and begin to beg God. No, we're gonna come in faith believing and go, God, all things are possible in you, Jesus. God, I know that you have delivered me. So this, whatever this is, no more in the name of Jesus. We need to begin to get our authority back in the name of Jesus. I remember when I first started coming to this church. It was right at the first year that I started coming and, and I started grasping this concept of the authority that we have. And, and when we have begin to, to, to recognize or begin to understand who we are in God, yeah, the devils come. Yeah, torment, things try to, to mess with us. The, 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 the spirit world is real, dark and evil, good and bad, it's real. And, and, and those, all of a sudden we become, I think, keenly aware maybe of some things that we hadn't before. And I remember I started coming to the church and, and gaining traction. I was so pumped. I was so excited. I'm like, oh, it's going to be the best life. And I just, I love this church. And I, I love what it's about. And I'm reading my word. And it's already beginning to, I could already begin to see. There was prophecies that I had earlier that I would find a church just like this. A church that was filled with power. And I started to realize, oh, I found it. I'm in that church. This is so exciting. And one night I was in my home. I was by myself. It was an ordinary night, seemingly. And I went to sleep that night. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I startlingly woke up and it was like the, the temperature went from normal to very cold. And, and, and all of a sudden it was just this, I got this eerie feeling and, 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 I, and I looked around and, and all of a sudden I saw out of the corner of my eye this dark figure and, and this figure began to, to come towards me. And the only way that I can describe it is it looked like a black panther and it began to, to get traction and it pounced one, two, three and pounced right on top of me. And I remember these yellow beady eyes looking at me and it spoke and it said to me, Stacy knew who I was and said, you will not prophesy. And everything within me, I honestly, Lee, I, I was scared. I was, what is happening? What is going on? And I, I tried to speak and it was like my mouth being held shut and I, and I couldn't get the words out. And I, and I, I started to, to, to almost lean into fear and then I realized who I was in the name of Jesus. And what was inside of me was the spirit of the living God. And I began to speak in tongues. And then all of a sudden, with everything that I had, I remember saying, in the name of Jesus. I will prophesy, I will speak out. And I got out of my bed and I began to declare the things of the Lord and bind the devil. All of a sudden the temperature went to normal, that Black Panther fled, I never saw it again. 
It's time for us to begin to realize our authority in Jesus. We do not have to live tormented. We do not have to go to sleep at night and not be able to sleep through the night. We can sleep peacefully. Do you know that Jesus, he, he, he's, he's omnipresent. He's there all the time so that he, he's awake all the time so that we don't have to be. We can actually sleep peacefully when we know who we are in the name of Jesus. Point number two, don't use your authority to be wicked. Use your authority over wickedness. Do wicked people use authority badly? Yes, all the time. We see it. Give somebody a little bit of authority and you're going to see the good or the bad real quick. It's a great thing to see. And, and yes, people abuse authority all the time. But for us, when we un understand our authority in Jesus, we can use it for good. He gave it to us to be able to, to tell devils to leave, to have darkness flee from us. We can use it in the right way. And in Ephesians 6.12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly supernatural places. So our fight is not with one another. Now you'll say, Stacey, I beg to differ. Do you know my family? I'm kidding. We all have awesome families. But we begin to see, like, right, we, we, there, we want to be able to fight with flesh and blood. But the truth is, what's behind that? Where did it all begin? Somebody that lashes out, follow it. Where did it start? I bet your bottom dollar, it started from pain. A hurt person, a hurt kid. And then the lashing begins to, to come out. We don't fight against one another. We have to fight against these spirits that just like Pastor Mike said at the beginning, that we come into alignment or under covering with and we need to detach and tell those evil things to flee in the name of Jesus. You know, authority is an interesting thing. Um, I remember years ago when I was a teenager, I grew up in a Christian home, family missionaries uh, in Ecuador. And I remember one time um, as a teenager, my parents decided to go away on vacation. And my sister and I begged them to go by themselves. <laughs> We're like, we just want to stay and we just want to hang out here at our house in our town. You guys go take our brothers. They were younger than us. You guys go have a great time. And so we convinced them that it all would be well. And so my dad's like, okay, here's the keys to the house. You take care of this house. You know, he, they give all the, you know, all the things, what to do, what not to do, all the things. We're like, yeah, 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 bye, see you later. As soon as they leave, my sister and I are dialing every phone number we know. Party at our house. We were two social bugs and we were like, oh, yes, this is our time. We're going to invite everybody we know over our house. Well, my goodness, I'm telling you, from a few people being invited, next thing you know, it was like the biggest house party ever. Um, everybody was coming in and they were coming in with whatever they wanted to come in with because we weren't using the authority that was given to us to say, you know what, maybe don't bring in the alcohol. Maybe don't bring in all of the other things that you're bringing in. Instead, we're like, welcome, come on in. Every parent is like, oh, dear God, where's this going? We have all of our youth in here tonight. It's okay, parents, this is gonna go very well for you. 
And so my sister and I, we were the keepers. We, we, we could choose if that house was gonna become heaven or hell. We could choose what was allowed inside and what was allowed outside of the home. And sadly that night, we made a lot of poor choices. It was bad. And, um, you know, praise God for being God that he literally will cover us and protect us when a lot worse could have happened. And we started to realize like, hey, maybe this is not the greatest idea. And we got some of the guys to get the other guys out of the house. And um, it was quite the night, you know, then in the morning, um, my sister and I were like, oh, dear God, like what just happened? And we're cleaning up all of the bottles. We're finding cigarette butts up on the refrigerator. Like, play, we're like, what in the, how did this even happen? And then we get a phone call as we're kind of around the house. And my parents are like, we got a bad feeling. We're almost home. <sighs> Try growing up in a Christian home, you guys, with prophetic parents, dear Lord. And so we're like, oh gosh, what are we gonna do? And so we're like scrambling to clean the whole house and, and uh, we do the best that we could. Everybody was gone, seemingly was clean. My parents came home, we're like, hey, how are you? I don't know why you had any feelings at all. Everything's fine. And um, they came in and we quickly left. Like we couldn't even be in their presence. And so we left, and about 10 minutes later, we get a phone call. Uh, Deanna and Stacy, I'm gonna need you to come home right now. And we're like, oh, dear God. And so we get home, and of course, you know, they're like, yeah, we found it odd that all of the trash was full. And so we just opened one of them, the one that had every bottle of liquor known to mankind. What happened last night? We're like, oh, and we do what any good teenager would do, and we blamed it on all our friends. How horrible they were. Listen, we learned a really great lesson that night that I have never forgotten. We choose what we allow in, and we choose what we allow out. And God, just like our loving parents, hands us the authority, hands us the keys to the kingdom, and say, you choose. See, parents at some point have to give opportunity for kids to make good and bad choices and help them along the way when either of those things happen. And my parents being good parents didn't just say, oh, well, so sorry. No, there were consequences to that evening that we remember. <laughs> and we never threw another house party ever again. <laughs> But God does the same with us. He gives us the keys to the kingdom and we choose what we allow in and what we allow out. And I say all of that because sometimes we're bringing things forward on a night like this, like shred this, God, take this away. But we've actually participated in the sin. We've actually participated in the very thing that we're saying, God, take it from me. When we make poor choices, we're living in our own torment. The devil doesn't even need to help us in those situations. And then sometimes we come and we're like, God, just take it away. I remember one night where um, 
one, one Sunday evening and there was a girl that kept coming forward on an, on an altar call and for whatever reason, I kept being the one to pray with her. And I remember her telling me, oh, Stacy, would you just pray? Can you pray for my boyfriend? And she would tell me just how messy their relationship was and all the havoc and all the torment. And she's like, I'm just praying for him to be the Christian man that I know God has for me. And then finally, one night on the altar, I wised up and I was like, hey, can I ask you a question? And she was like, yeah. And I go, are you sleeping with your boyfriend? And she said, yes. And I said, well, here's the thing. You're actually allowing torment to happen to you. And I'm not going to stand here and participate in praying for a miracle that you can walk out of. Now, God is good, and he will protect us. And God can make that man an awesome man. But how about if you want a Prince Charming, you start acting like a princess? How about you let that man know what kind of Christian woman you are and allow him to make some choices? Now, maybe he will have a shift and a change of heart. And maybe it will be the very thing that leads him to Jesus himself. Or maybe he's not that kind of guy right now and he walks away. But in either situation, you will be at peace knowing that God can make him the wonderful man of God or God can send you another. Either way, let's not participate in our own torment. Let's walk on out of it. Amen? And I don't say that in any kind of condemning way. I just, I say it because tonight, I, I really want change to happen. I really want to see a shift in our world to walk into 23, 2023, leaving some stuff behind. And I think we need to do an assessment of ourselves. What in my life, where in my life am I participating with evil and can I walk away? Where in my life have I not repented that I'm sitting here with bitternesses in my heart, that I am hating that person and not liking that person, could we not just write their name on a piece of paper and say, God, you deal with it? Could we instead go, I repent. God, help me to forgive. And then God, oh God, do the miraculous in a restoration of a relationship. Could we partner with God? Because I find that it's both. It's both God doing the miracle and then us becoming aware of some of the things that are impeding the miraculous. Does that make sense? Point number three, we have been given more authority than we realize. I, I got this revelation of like, God has put everything under our feet. Like God has set it up to give us the authority to, 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 to be able to walk out a wonderful, peaceful life. And I wanted to read Psalm chapter eight, one through nine. It says this, and this was a Psalm of David, it says, Yahweh, our sovereign God. And this is in the, the Passion Version. I, I just love the imagery of this. So just listen to the words of God. It says, Yahweh, our sovereign God. Your glory streams from the heavens above, filling the earth with the majesty of your name. People everywhere see your splendor. You have built a stronghold by the songs of children. Strength rises up with the chorus of infants. This kind of praise has power to shut Satan's mouth. 
Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their setting, I know you are a fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But I have to ask the question, why would you bother with a puny mortal man or care about human beings? Yet what honor you have given to men, creating them only a little lower than Elohim. Creating us human beings just a little lower than God himself crowned with glory and magnificence. You have delegated to them. Who's them? It's us. Delegated to people. You have delegated to them rulership over all. Somebody say over all. Over all you have made. He's given us authority, rulership over all that God has made with everything under. Now everybody say everything under with everything under their authority. Did we just catch that? Think about it. God has given us authority over all that he has made. Good, bad, evil, good, all of it. And he is giving us authority over, uh, under anything under our feet. Placing earth itself, the Bible says, under the feet of the image bearers. Some of us, need to start looking in the mirror a lot differently at ourselves. Some of us need to go home, look at that mirror and begin to see God in you. We are his image bearers. When we look out at ourselves, it's not just our physical selves. When we are saved and we believe in Jesus, we can actually see God on the inside of us. Some of us need to look at ourselves and not speak down to ourselves anymore. Not, not put words of, of shame and not good enough and never gonna happen. That is not how God would speak to himself and it's not how he would speak to his image bearers. We need to look at ourselves a whole lot differently. It says, placing earth itself under the feet of the image bearers, all the created order and every living thing under the earth and the sky and the sea, the wild beasts, all that move in the paths of the sea, everything is in submission to Adam's sons. That's you and I. Yahweh, our sovereign God, your glory streams from the heavens above, filling the earth with the majesty of your name. People everywhere see your splendor. Psalm 8, 6 in the New King James says this, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Again, somebody say over and under. We gotta remind ourselves, we have authority over and under. God has made us to be like Adam, rulers over everything and everything under our authority. And then I, I love this verse in Psalm 110.1. It says this in the Amplified. The Lord says to my Lord, and I had to look that up because that was confusing. The Lord says to my Lord, that's what it means. The Lord, and that word Lord is Father, says to the Lord, that's Messiah the Son. So it's the Lord to Jesus says, the Lord Father says to my Lord, the Messiah, his Son, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet, subjugating them into complete submission. Sound like a commander? Somebody say complete submission. What is the Bible saying? He's made our enemies to be under our feet. What do you do with a footstool? 
You sit back in a comfy chair, you put your feet up, and you tell the story of victory. You tell the story about how you crushed the devil. You tell the story to your kids and your grandkids about how you came to an awakened church, and you were filled with the glory of God, and you began to understand your authority in Jesus, and you began to kick devils out of generational lines in your family. You begin to tell the stories of victory that, oh, I had a family member. My mom had cancer for eight years. Three weeks ago, we got a report, cancer-free in the name of Jesus. The miraculous power, the wonder-working God, that's what we have access to, to do more than what Jesus himself did on earth. We have more authority than we maybe have realized, but not anymore, not tonight. Last point, point number four, and I'll invite the the team to come up. Authority equals faith. Authority is spelled F-A-I-T-H, faith. Why do I say that? Because in the story of the centurion, Luke 7, 9, it said, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd following, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith. The centurion talked about his authority, but Jesus attributed his understanding to faith. Do we understand our authority? And can we have faith like the centurion? We do not anymore have to come as beggars to God, but instead as image bearers, instead as sons and daughters recognizing our authority and telling evil itself to leave. Why do I say that? Because tonight we're about to write some things down on a card. And I love that because what that does is it brings awareness to what is no longer acceptable in my life. Before I go into this next year, I wanna write some things down that you know what? I'm aware that this evil has come through, whether I consciously participated or it happened to me, I can make a decision tonight that it stops here tonight. I can make a choice to align myself with God himself and tell those spirits that are energizing those things to leave in the name of Jesus. And they have to go. They're under our feet. Some devils are messing with us because we're allowing it. But the Bible says this in Matthew 16, 19, I will give you authority. I will give you the keys. That's what the keys signify. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, you forbid, you declare to be improper and unlawful on earth. That's what we're doing tonight. We're writing things down going, this is not right. This is not okay. This is improper. This is not all right. Doing that, it says, on earth will have already been bound in heaven. What do you mean? As I'm becoming aware, heaven itself is already backing me up? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. As we become aware of the authority of God that we have, heaven is already moving on our behalf. And that beautiful moment when we become aware and then when we declare in our own words, these don't have to be perfect, pretty little prayers. Say it, say it. Jesus is closer than a brother. How do you talk to a brother? Real, real talk. That's how you talk to Jesus and go, Jesus, I don't believe those things about me anymore. 
Jesus, poverty, no more in my family in the name of Jesus. I may have gone through hardship. I may have suffered loss. Maybe some here have, have gone through divorce, have lost kids, people away, things that you thought would never happen to yourself and yet they landed on your doorstep. Well, don't live another day, another night in, in shame. Don't live another day, another night in grief and in torment. When tonight you can rise up and say, you know what, it happened, but God, I thank you that you are the God that restores, that you are the God that can give me double for my trust. This is the God that says, let the old go. Let the new come, that he has bigger and better for us, even with decisions and choices that we participated in. God is not a mean God. He's trying. He's already moving on our behalf to bring miracles to come to pass in our life. You know, just a couple weeks ago, I received this um, supplemental tax bill. And I'm, you know, hadn't bought a home in years in San Diego, and I had forgotten the state of California has decided to have a tax that he taxes homeowners on. And, or he, <laughs> I refer to it like it's a, the state. I don't know the people behind that, but I get this tax bill, and it was unexpected. And, um, you know, I'm like, oh, no. Who wants to get like a couple thousand dollar tax bill at the end of the year, like right coming up to like Christmas and the end of the year? And I'm like, oh, what is this? And so I call and they said, oh, I talked to friends and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, just, just, just call the escrow account. Sometimes they account for that and, and they can pay it on your, on your behalf. And, and so I call and I call the escrow company and get shuffled to 15 different people till finally I get to the decision maker and they're like, oh, yeah. It's just a one-time tax bill that you have to pay and we don't include that in your escrow account. And so it's just, you have to pay it. There's nothing we can do. But how many people know we've got a wonder-working God? And I went, it doesn't sit well with me. I didn't like that answer. And I am a daughter of God. And I decided to look at my God as a good father. And I went, you know what? I get that this happens in California. I get that probably somebody told me and I didn't realize what they were saying, but could you just take care of it? Because I talked to Jesus like he's there. And I lift up the prayer. Do you know that God was already working on my behalf? But there was a moment I came into an awareness and asked my God to take care of something. I didn't beg. I didn't cry, I just asked him to do it. And I went to my mailbox, and yes, it is a check in a mailbox story. And I open it up and I have a check from my escrow account. And I'm like, I like literally just got off the phone with them. And they told me no. And I look and it said, there was an accidental surplus here is the amount and more from, from the supplemental tax bill. And then I looked at the date and I'm like, how is that possible? I'm talking to them on the phone. They're telling me no. And God had already sent the check in the mail. It took a moment of faith. You guys, tonight, it's a check in the mail kind of night. It's the kind of night where everything is possible. Can we come into awareness?
with a wonder-working God and going, no more on my watch. I am not going to beg. I'm going to ask God, and I'm going to see Him move on my behalf. Could everybody stand to their feet tonight? Like the centurion, can we begin to believe? Can we command devils that are tormenting us to leave in the name of Jesus? And I want you to have that image in your head as you come forward and as you symbolically put paper, the things that you have written down, that you have become aware of, that are no longer acceptable to you anymore. I don't know what that is for you, but anything, anything is possible for God. Why not believe and believe big? And as you come down the front and you place that card into the shredder, in your own breath and prayer, come out of alignment with everything that is on that page and begin to believe like the centurion. And we're gonna have the ministry team, if you could go ahead and come forward. We're gonna have you guys come forward and they're just gonna put a hand on your shoulder and they're gonna stand and they're gonna believe with you that we don't have to have a 2023 like 2022 and that the hand of God can move on you. I'm no one special. But I've just begun to come to understand some of the authority that God has given to me. And I wanted us to understand the authority that we have. And I'm so excited for tonight to see the miraculous happen. And I'm gonna begin to pray. We're gonna all pray together. And then I'm gonna invite everybody to come forward that we're gonna start with those that are being baptized tonight. If you and your family can begin to make your way forward. And we're gonna shred some things tonight and we're gonna see the hand of God begin to move. And after you shred it tonight and after the miracles have already been begun, then we're gonna go and we're gonna get baptized. And we have some people that are physically saying, I'm gonna go under the water and let the old go and let the new come. And we're gonna support them there. So you can start to make your way out. And then everybody, let's just raise our hands to heaven. Let's just begin to pray. Let's begin to pray where you're at in the aisle, where you are in your seats. Let's begin to bind that devil and tell it to leave in the name of Jesus. And then you just come forward and begin to shred those things that it's telling, we're telling them it's time to go in the name of Jesus. Come on right now, begin to stir yourself up. That's what the Bible says, to stir ourselves up in our most holy faith, in faith believing that all things are possible in the name of Jesus. God, oh God, we praise you tonight, Father. Lord, we thank you right now that you are present, that you are already moving in our hearts tonight, that you are already moving in our spirits tonight, that you already have miracles on their way. You already have testimonies on their way, oh God, and tonight we unite our faith, oh God, in you. This is not something that we can do in and of ourselves. We don't have faith in us. We have faith in Jesus who died to set us free in the name of Jesus. Right now, just begin to declare wherever you are at. Begin to detach from the things that you had come under alignment with and say no more addiction, no more in the name of Jesus. No more in the name of Jesus. We bind and we break every evil spirit and we tell you to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, you say in your word that what is bound on earth is bound in heaven, that you are already backing us up. So 
Jesus. We bind every evil spirit. We tell you to leave right now in the name of Jesus. We declare poverty gone in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you are a benevolent God. Lord, we bind and we break the spirit of shame and fear in the name of Jesus. Lord, we declare God wholeness and purity comes back. Do you know that when you repent, you are forgiven. We don't need to walk with shame. Conviction and shame are two very different things. Let it go. Let the shame go in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord God, right now we bind and we break every spirit of perversion in the name of Jesus. We declare it broken over our lives. We speak to you, you evil spirits, and we say, leave spirit of infirmity, sickness, and disease must bow its feet. You are under our feet in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, we declare health. We declare wholeness in our bodies and in our families. Oh, Lord God, right now, we thank you for restoration and covering and protection. We thank you for angels to surround us, oh God, to minister to us in the day and in the night. I speak to you tormenting devils. No more torment in the name of Jesus. I speak to depression and oppression and suicidal thoughts. No more in the name of Jesus. Jesus has given us life and life in abundance in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord God, we thank you that you are the giver of life. Lord, that you resurrect dreams that had fallen away so long ago and you bring hope into our lives. Lord, we thank you for hope to rise. We thank you for courage to begin to rise. We speak to grief. We say, grief, you have an expiration date. Grief no more in the name of Jesus. I'm gonna believe again. I'm gonna let the old go. I'm gonna let the new come in the name of Jesus. Come on, begin to declare. Begin to praise your God. Begin to give glory to Him in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's continue to worship our God. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.